light. Darkness. The balance. Skywalker was once the galaxy's bright new hope. And for those of us who grew up in the 70s and 80s, Luke Skywalker was our hero. He was the man. He once told the great Jedi Master, Obi-Wan Kenobi, I want to learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi like my father. He was young then, full of energy and optimism that served him well. He he became that Jedi and in the process, a galactic savior of sorts. No Star Wars fan could forget when he blew up the Death Star. He helped to literally overthrow the Emperor. And in so doing, he brought his own twisted father, the legendary Darth Vader, back to the light side and the right side of the Force. But no victory is final, not on this side of heaven at least, not in this temporal universe anyway. The, the First Order has picked up the shards of the old empire and pieced them back together to form a mishappened successor, and its leaders are equally evil. The Supreme Leader Snoke looks like someone took a meat cleaver to his face, and his horrific you know, disfigured image mirrors the ugliness of his own soul. His, his young disciple, Kylo Ren, bears a new scar of his own, earned at the hand of Luke's spiritual successor, Rey. Uh, we learn in this movie that Kylo is no Vader, at least not yet. But in his own way, he's more frightening. He rages like a forest fire, burning everything in its path. And we learn that he has the same battle raging in him that you and I have, the battle of good versus evil. In The Last Jedi, we once again learn that the galaxy's hope is marginalized to this ragtag band of rebels called the Resistance, and they are pushed to the brink of extinction by Snoke's ruthless march and Kylo's raging temper. And once again, a few would-be heroes stand in the breach, hoping to return the galaxy to a brighter path. But this new rebellion is pitiful small and growing smaller with each battle. They need help. They, along with General Leia, who used to be called Princess Leia, again turn their eyes toward the now older Luke Skywalker, who is really nothing more than a galactic recluse at this point. Rey lands near his island home to implore the galactic legend to again join them in the fight to reclaim his birthright as this once and future hero. Now, if you remember in the previous Star Wars film, episode seven called The Force Awakens, this young heroine, Rey, has traveled to the remotest part of the galaxy in order to find her hero, Luke Skywalker, the famous Jedi Master. In this film's closing scene, she has finally found him standing on top of this hill on a deserted island in the middle of the ocean on some distant planet. 
She climbs to the hill, approaches him, and symbolically hands him his lightsaber as a symbol of everything that the Jedi stands for, everything that the really the Star Wars series itself stands for. She offers him this lightsaber and then the film just ends. What an incredible ending of a film. Powerful foreshadowing of what possibly is to come. We spent the last two years since that film wondering what will happen next, wondering what Luke will actually do. Excited and full of hope about seeing his legendary hero status spring back into action to make everything right and everything good and familiar again. And finally, in episode eight, at the beginning or near the beginning of this film, The Last Jedi, we get to finish this scene. Check this out. stop right here. This one scene, more than any other, is a metaphor for the entire film and really for the entire Star Wars film franchise in general. Luke holds his destiny in his hand, right? His calling, his his purpose. Everything in his life has come to this moment and then he just throws it away. And we learn that Luke is just tired. He's grown weary of the constant fight, this battle of good versus evil. It never seems to stop, not in the galaxy and not inside of him. And at one point he says, I'm just tired of being a Jedi. I'm just tired of the hypocrisy. I'm tired of the arrogance. And I came to this island to die. And the Jedi order needs to die with me. Luke struggles with his purpose, and I think that this is something that we all struggle with. I think this is the universal question of humanity. Why am I here? Does my life even matter? What is my my purpose? And, And I think this is one of the reasons we love the Star Wars series so much. We've grown up watching young Luke Skywalker trying to figure out who he is. I mean, really who he is. He, at one point, he was called the chosen one. He had all of these expectations placed on him. And that's us. Well, no one's really calling you or me the chosen one, but but we're trying to figure out who we are. And, you know, we're, we're in this world that puts all of these expectations on us, trying to tell us who we should be and what we should do and, and what we should believe and what we should believe in. And we're trying to figure it out. Like Luke, we're asking questions like, does faith matter? I mean, does, does eternity really matter? Does something bigger than just taking care of our everyday needs, does it really matter? Let's be honest, there's not too much out there in life that encourages a real and vibrant relationship with God. Almost everything in our world pushes against that relationship with God, and it's not hard to think, does it really matter? Is it really that important? Is it, it, It's just tempting, just like Luke, to throw the whole spirit life away. It's tempting to run from it. It's tempting to just live for the temporal, for, for the moment, to live like God doesn't exist. and. 
and, and that you'll never have to answer to him. It's tempting to live that way. But friends, don't do that. Don't live like that. And in this movie, The Last Jedi, Rey, this new heroine, doesn't want Luke to forget. Master Skywalker, I'm from the Resistance. Your sister Leia sent me. We need your help. with us. How did you find me? Long story, we'll tell you on the Falcon. Falcon. Wait. Where's on? Such a great little scene. Chewie kicks the door down and Ray says, we need you, Luke. And Luke is flooded with all of these memories. He, he says, where's Han? And he's referring to his old friend, Han Solo, right? Uh, Luke apparently did not know that Han had died at the hand of his own son, Kylo Ren, as Kylo gave in to the dark side. And, and so Luke has has to decide, is he going to get back into the fight or is he just gonna stay on the sidelines? There is so much that we could talk about in this Star Wars movie and, and we're gonna land on two specific themes that, that just beg a deeper Christ-centered discussion, but there are so many profoundly moral themes that run throughout the entire Star Wars movie's chain uh, in general that, that resonate deeply with Christians. And I think some of those are just worth talking about. Uh, of course, the, the movie centers around this mystical thing called the Force, right? It, it's a supernatural guide of sorts. It's this unseen source of conviction and leadership and hope and direction. And all of that sounds strangely like the Holy Spirit, doesn't it? Now, in the Star Wars, of course, the Force is this dualistic nature. It can either drive toward good or drive toward evil. But as Christians, we, we get this, that there is this unseen spiritual world where there is the Spirit of God and the forces of his kingdom doing battle against Satan and all that are under his dominion. And in the middle of a very high-tech you know, world filled with lightsabers and spaceships, there is this unseen spiritual world in the Star Wars, right? And friends, I think that resonates with us because we live in that world. We live in this unseen spiritual world, and I think that's one of the reasons why we love this movie so much. It's our deepest desire to see the good destroy the evil. We, we want good to win in our world, and, and this movie taps into that desire. We, we love it when the Death Star is blown up and, and when the First Order ship called the Dreadnought is crushed by the good guys. I mean, it makes us just go, yeah! And of course, any Star Wars fan can remember that epic moment when Darth Vader changed from the dark side to the light. We were like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Vader's change of heart speaks our language as Christians, right? 
Our, our greatest hero in the New Testament part of the Bible is a guy named Paul, and he once hunted you know, Christians down in this vicious persecution. He literally killed Christians, and, and, and then he sees this light. He sees this Christ, right? He, he meets Jesus and his whole life begins to change. And, and now he can't stop preaching about Jesus. He has to tell the world about Jesus. He just can't even stop himself because this good has invaded his soul and it's turned him from this evil that he once knew. You know, if you look at Paul, he was always talking about his past and wanting to leave his past behind and to move forward in his life. And let me tell you something, many of us have a very similar experience. And we want others to know that our past was full of darkness and our past was, was not what we were necessarily proud of and it did not honor God. And we, we've, we've changed, we've, we've come to the light, right? And it, this resonates deeply inside of us. There is certainly something fundamentally unsettling about living in a world where the empire or the first order in this case calls the shots. But our desire is not for a balance between good and evil. Our desire is for the end of darkness. It is for the end of evil. This is not a uniquely Christian idea. It's a human longing that the Christian faith proposes a solution to. We're gonna talk specifically about that. But in this movie, The Last Jedi, I would say it might be the most Christian themed of all the Star Wars movies. Uh, more than any other movie in, in the franchise, The Last Jedi links the cause of right and good over evil with the cause of the poor and suffering and the oppressed. We find that those suffering to be children in this movie, that the resistance fighters are, are able to offer hope to. We find that the rebellion, like the kingdom of God, belongs to such as these. For Christians, this speaks to the core of who we are. This speaks to Jesus' mission for justice. This speaks to Jesus' mission statement that said that he came to preach the good news of the kingdom of God to those being oppressed by the strong hand of the Roman government and to those who were under the power of sin and death. The cause of the needy is a Christian cause. It is essential to who we are. And there is another profoundly Christian concept in this movie. In this world where we live, there is so much made over what family you come from and what color you are, and what tribe you're from. Are you rich? Are you poor? There is so much made up of, of the haves ruling over the have-nots, but the makers of The Last Jedi chose as their heroine a common and ordinary young lady who, who came out of nowhere and from nothing to save the world. And that's a choice that is profoundly Christian in nature. If you look through the pages of scripture, one deliverer after another deliverer came from common and ordinary beginnings. That God chooses not great people to do great things, but God chooses willing people. For example, when the people of Israel were being oppressed by the Midianites, God chose a young and fearful man named Gideon who was willing to step up. And Gideon came from a, from a family that nobody knew. It was the weakest and smallest of, of the families. When the prophet Samuel sought a king, God provided the youngest son, a shepherd boy named David. And when Israel needed a deliverer, he chose a man named Moses, who was you know, nothing more than a shepherd on the backside of a mountain, not even part of living in the land of Egypt. But God chose him because he was willing. And when the world needed a savior, when the world needed a Messiah, God sent them a man from Nazareth, a place that apparently nothing good could come from. God sent them Jesus out of nowhere and from nothing to be the Savior. And in The Last Jedi, we find out that Rey, this new 
Jedi, who, whose name means king, actually comes from nothing and from nowhere. In the end, however, the reason The Last Jedi or any good Star Wars movie uh, is so compelling is not because of politics or the hokey Eastern religious stuff that makes it into this you know, little movie. The, the story works because it has the, uh, some of the same beauty that all people long for. It's the beauty that Christians celebrate every Sunday. It is the beauty of God choosing the least likely people for his purposes, of good opposing evil, of hope for the oppressed, of death being destroyed. It's the beauty of the gospel. It's, it's the beauty that the last Jedi reminds us about, a beauty that fortunately our culture can't escape and fortunately that our culture actually longs for. So let's dive deep into this film and look at two specific themes. The Last Jedi does something I don't think any of the other Star Wars movies did or at least did at this level. The Last Jedi develops this idea that the Force has a balance to it. There is this idea presented that if there is darkness growing in the world, then there is light growing to balance it. If there is darkness and evil growing in someone, then there must be light or goodness growing in somebody else to kind of counter that or to balance that. This is the yin and the yang found so often in Eastern religious philosophy, that good cannot truly conquer evil and evil cannot truly conquer good because there there must be a balance to it in the universe and, and with individuals the same is true right it's kind of taught in this movie that there is this evil and and good inside of you and that and that they're at war with each other now listen part of this is true and part of it is simply not true. It is true that there is both evil and good in the world, but to think that there has to somehow remain this balance is nothing but hogwash. The, the scripture is clear, evil needs to lose, evil needs to be crushed, that evil in this world, evil in me and evil in you, it must die. Uh, there is this little section of scripture at the end of the book of Romans, Paul the apostle of God literally ends his letter to the Christians in the city of Rome by, by saying, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. In other words, I want the good to grow inside of you. I want you to love God and I want you to stay away from evil. Be innocent about the evil around you. Don't get involved with it. And then he says this, listen, he says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. In other words, God will win and light wins, goodness wins, not darkness. And so this idea that there must be the balance is just not true. At the end, good will win, God will win. But in this movie, it does something different. It does something very well. It develops this idea that the force, both the good and the evil, it rages war, not just in the universe, but inside of each of us. We see this with all of the main characters. Uh, look at the scene with Kylo Ren as he stands before Snoops, this, you know, evil emperor of the last order. Check this out. The mighty Kylo Ren. When I found you, I saw what all masters live to see. Raw, untamed power. And beyond that, something truly special. The potential of your bloodline. A new Vader. Ah. 
here. I was mistaken. I'll turn everything I have to you. To the dark side. Hesitate. And look at you. The deed split your spirit to the bone. You were unbalanced. Bested by a girl who had never held a lightsaber. You failed! Skywalker lives. The seed of the Jedi Order lives. As long as it does, hope lives in the galaxy. I thought you would be the one to snuff it out. Alas, you're no Vader. You're just a child. In a mask. in this young man. There are like two animals raging within him, fighting within him. There are other scenes in this movie where Kylo could have crushed the resistance in, in a key moment, but chose not to because he just couldn't bring himself to do it. There is a scene where Kylo is piloting one of these you know, space fighters and, and he has a clear shot that could have taken out the entire leadership team of the, of the resistance, including his own mother who is Princess Leia or General Leia at this point. And, and, and he chooses not to. He, he could have killed her, but there was something in him that just couldn't do it. Uh, Snokes, the evil emperor in that scene says, yeah, you killed your father, but basically you felt bad about it. I'm thinking, yeah, he should feel bad about killing his father. But you can see the, the supreme ruler, he's trying to manipulate him. And this is exactly what Satan does with us. He does everything that he can to get us to think that eternity does not matter, that God is not real, and that you are not accountable to anyone. Ray, our new heroine, starts to experience this same inward battle. This is perhaps one of the most important scenes in the entire movie. She's beginning her training as a Jedi, and, uh, and, and, the, and this is really the first time that she experiences the power of the Force, both the good and the evil that is inside of her. Master Skywalker, we need you to bring the Jedi back because Kylo Ren is strong with the dark side of the Force. Without the Jedi, we won't stand a chance against him. What do you know about the Force? It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sentence was wrong. Lesson one, sit here, legs crossed. The Force is not a power you have. 
It's not about lifting rocks. It's the energy between all things, the tension, the balance that binds the universe together. Okay. But what is it? Close your eyes. Breathe. Now, reach out. I feel something. You feel it? Yes, I feel it. That's the force. Really? Wow, it must be really strong oh, with you. I've never felt anything. Ow! You meant reach out like. I'll try again. Breathe. Just breathe. Reach out with your feelings. The island. Life. Death and decay that feeds new life. Warmth. Cold. Peace. Violence. And between it all, Balance and energy. A force. And inside you? Inside me. That same force. And this is the lesson. That force does not belong to the Jedi. To say that if the Jedi die, the light dies is vanity. Can you feel that? There's something else. Beneath the island. A place. A dark place. Balance. Powerful light, powerful darkness. It's cold. It's calling me. Resist it, Ray. Ray! <laughs> you went straight to the dark. That place was trying to show me something. It offered something you needed. And you didn't even try to stop yourself. I didn't see you. Nothing from you. You've closed yourself off from the Force. Of course you have. I've seen this raw strength only once before. In Ben Solo. It didn't scare me enough then. It does now. powerful scene. The scripture teaches us that you have the potential from birth to choose good or evil. So many in the world think, you know, that humans are basically good and that somebody, you know, that does something really terrible is like an anomaly. You know, we want to think that our sweet little babies are innocent and perfect, but the truth is they're not. Sin is 
is born inside of us. It's born with us. The Bible says that each of us was born into a world of sin and that we have a world of sin inside of us. There is this theological term that I think we need to understand. It's called total depravity. How does that sound for a description of humanity, right? That we're totally depraved. This means that all of us have not only sinned, but we have the potential of becoming the worst person that we know. And all of us fall short of the glory of God. But this doesn't mean that you can't do any good because you're totally depraved doesn't mean that you can't do some good. Even those who do not know God at all can do good, right? The scripture teaches that we are all created in the image of God. And so there's this potential for both good and evil in us and they are two natures that listen that war inside of us and what this movie does so well is that it gives us a picture of the dual nature that battles inside our soul look at this lesson two now that they're extinct the jedi are romanticized deified but if you strip away the myth and look at their deeds the legacy of the jedi is failure Hypocrisy, hubris. That's not true. At the height of their powers, they allowed Darth Sidious to rise, create the Empire, and wipe them out. It was a Jedi Master who was responsible for the training and creation of Darth Vader. And a Jedi who saved him. Yes, the most hated man in the galaxy. But you saw there was conflict inside him. You believed that he wasn't gone, that he could be turned. And I became a legend. For many years, there was balance. And then I saw Ben. My nephew, with that mighty Skywalker blood, and in my hubris, I thought I could train him, I could pass on my strengths. Hans, Han about it, but Leia trusted me with her son. I took him and a dozen students and began the training temple. By the time I realized I was no match for the darkness rising in him, it was too late. What happened? I went to confront him. And he turned on me. He must have thought I was dead. When I came to, the temple was burning. He had vanished with a handful of my students and slaughtered the rest. Leia blamed Snoke, but it was me. I failed. Because I was Luke Skywalker, Jedi Master. A legend. The galaxy may need a legend. I need someone to show me my place in all this. And you didn't fail Kylo. Kylo failed you. I won't. 
what a powerful, powerful scene. I want to take you deep into the pages of scriptures that talk about these two natures at war within, within us. So let me just read a big section of scripture for you from the book of Romans chapter 7. Uh, I'll make some comments on it along the way, but Paul, this great man of God, is being led by the Holy Spirit of God to, to, to write in order to explain how our walk with God grows and, and how we move toward the things of God, leaving behind the, the old life, be, leaving behind our past, letting God form something new in us. He's answering this question, why is it so hard to change? Why is it so hard to choose good over right and what's holy, even when we want to choose what's good? Have you ever felt that? That you want to choose what's good, you want to do what's good, but there's something just pulling at you? Well, Paul talks directly about it in this passage. And he says this, so we know that God's word is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I actually do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Now that can be very confusing, but listen to what he's saying. He says, if I actually do something that I do not want to do, I'm agreeing that that the Bible's right, that God's word is true because I know I shouldn't do it because I know that it's, it's wrong. It's not the right way to go, but I do it anyway. So he says, even knowing that there is a right and the wrong says that you agree with God's word. Isn't that an incredible thought? That you have a conscience that is from God inside of you. Now check this out, verse 17, it says, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living inside of me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. And he calls this sin living inside of him. And then he says this, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. I want to do it, but I just can't. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Have you ever done that? Like, you know that you want to change something. You know something's got to shift inside of you. You actually say, I'm not going to do this anymore. But, but you keep going right back to it, right? There's this battle in your soul. And and God says, I understand that battle. And he's going to get to a resolution here. Check this out. Verse 21. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work inside of me, waging war against my the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. He says, I know it. I want it. I love what God has for me. I love what God says to me. I want to do that, but I just have this war going on. And I think a whole bunch of us can relate to this. He says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Now listen to this. There is a phrase he uses here, this body that is subject to death. In the old King James Version, it actually has this phrase, uh, the body of death. And it's interesting he uses this because the Roman audience would have understood this because one of the ways that, that Rome would put a prisoner to death was this thing called death through the body of death. They would literally take a corpse and strap it to the back of a living prisoner and they would 
they would have this living prisoner live with this corpse on his back. And as the corpse decayed, that decay would seep into his body. So they would call it the death through the body of death. And so Paul asked this question, who's going to free me from this body of death? And listen to this. He says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Our hope is not to get through life just thinking somehow that we've done more good than evil so that somehow God is pleased with us. No, friends, the scripture teaches us something totally different. We are to crush the spirit of sin, that this death that has been strapped onto us by our sin nature needs to be redeemed. It needs to have life given to it through a relationship relationship with Jesus. It says, who will rescue me from this body of death? Jesus. Jesus is our answer. And so Paul teaches us that you can't play with sin. You can't toy around with sin. Like, like in the Star Wars, it will only grow and grow inside of you. Darkness grows unless you let Christ do a full work in you. H have you seen this in your life? that things just get worse, not better. Things grow darker naturally, not lighter. Marriage gets worse unless you work on it. Your attitude, your language, your habits, your addictions all get worse unless you are purposeful in your heart to let God deal with those things. Choose Christ, submit to him. Ask for God's help, move toward him, and he will do more in you than you could ever, ever imagine. Uh, one of the reasons Luke is, is so resistant about getting back into the battle is, is because he, he knows his own failures. He, he knows his own struggles, his own shortcoming. He, he knows his losses and he thinks it has disqualified him from the race. You, you've seen a little of this throughout the scenes we've shown earlier, but, but check this scene out. It's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Hmm. Skywalker. Still looking to the horizon. Never hear that. The need in front of your nose. I was weak. Unwise. Lost Ben Solo, you did. Lose Ray, we must not. I can't be what she needs me to be. Heeded my words not, did you? Pass on what you have learned. Strength. Mastery, hmm. but weakness, folly, failure also. Yes, failure most of all. The greatest teacher failure is. <laughs> Luke, we are what they grow beyond. That is the true burden of all masters. Let the past die. Kill it if you have to. It is the only way to become who you were meant to be. One of the main themes throughout The Last Jedi is the way that each of the main characters must decide how their past will influence their future. This is a major driving point of this film and perhaps the most redeeming and powerful message in the entire movie. Luke has failed, but the battle is not over yet. He must press on. He's called to move forward. 
Yoda tells the older Skywalker not to run from his failure, not to run from his past, but to learn from it, to grow from it. And although Luke has failed Ben, he does not have to fail Ray. Uh, he, he can learn and he can improve upon things for his future. Uh, this is one of my all-time favorite Yoda moments or quotes because I feel it's one of the most important things that I've learned in life. And it's the importance of learning from failure, my failure. Let's face it, failure is inevitable. No one goes through life achieving success 100% of the time. Everyone fails from, from time to time and it's perfectly normal, but for many of us, failure is something that we simply cannot cope with. We, we strive to achieve at a very high level and, and, and we do not like it when our aspirations crumble before us. That makes sense, nobody wants to fail. However, failure, should be viewed as, as a learning experience. Success has often been described as the art of failing forward. Did you hear that? Success has often been called the art of failing forward. Many of us are there right now, or we've been there. We feel like we failed in our life. We feel like we failed our children, our spouses, our bosses, our friends. We, we feel like we failed our, our dreams and our aspirations. We could go on and on with all the ways that we feel like we have failed. So how do we overcome? How do we allow God to touch our hearts and pour out his grace over us? How do we forgive ourselves for our failures and our shortcomings? How do we forgive ourselves from just being human? Can God use our failures to create something more in us? This might come as a little bit of a shock to you, but as I began to think about the characters of the Bible, there are so many failures. Uh, David was an adulterer and a murderer. Uh, Gideon was a coward. Uh, Solomon was led astray by women. Abraham was a, was a liar. Moses was a murderer. Jonah ran from God. Elijah battled depression and so did Jer Jeremiah. Thomas was called the great doubter. And, and so was John and so was Andrew. They, they doubted the presence of God among them. Peter walked on water only to take his eyes off of Jesus and begin to sink. Uh, he, he makes this bold proclamation that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus tells him, upon this rock, Peter, I will build my church. You will be at the very center of it. And then Peter turns around and literally chastises Jesus. Peter has this privilege of accompanying Jesus to the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, to Jesus' most gut-wrenching moment. I don't know if you remember this, but Jesus goes there, and it's that moment he has to decide whether or not he's going to the, to the cross, if he was going to go all the way for us. And, and Peter goes, can I come along? And, and what happens to Peter? He falls asleep in the moment of of Jesus' greatest trial. And then there's this bold proclamation that even that Peter makes that even if everybody else deserts him, Peter promises to accompany Jesus to the very end. But what does it say? He denies Jesus three times in one night. He doesn't follow Jesus to the end. But despite his failures, listen, Peter is remembered as a bold, courageous follower of Christ. He preached Christ with power and conviction. Uh, he, he was the first at the tomb when he learned that Christ had risen from the grave. He was, he, he was preaching on the day of, of what they call the day of Pentecost when 3,000 people were added to the church in one single day. Uh, God's spirit worked at him and in him powerfully as he healed people who were sick and, and made lame people walk. Listen, Peter became the pillar of the church. So many failures and yet God propelled him forward to take a place of honor in the kingdom of God. So how do we 
get that? How do we get there? What, what happened to Peter between his denying of Christ and becoming the rock on which Jesus built the church? What, what happened? I'm going to tell you what happened. He experienced the risen Christ. Uh, there at the tomb, he expected to find the body of Jesus. He expected to find a lifeless body of Jesus. Instead, he found a risen Christ, the son of the living God, alive and well. It, it, it was the power of God that he found. It was the culmination of all of his teaching. Uh, it was the touch of the Savior that changed him forever, that allowed him to overcome his sin, to overcome his failures, and, and to be used by God in the ways that God created him to be used. And what about us, friends? How do we experience the, the risen Christ? How, how do we experience the touch of, of the Savior in a way that God can change us and grow us? We can experience the power of God through the touch of the Holy Spirit in our life. We can invite God's presence to take up residence within us, inside of us. Uh, God's Spirit can wash us clean again. He can put His power over us and His peace over us. And listen, friends, we can commune with God and we can do life with God in such a way that we can walk with God, that we can do life with God, and that this power of death, this body of death that is over us can be broken because of this relationship that you develop with Jesus, your Savior. If you invite more of Him in your life, if you move toward Him purposefully, He will meet with you, and He will give you courage to move forward. So friends, we can fail forward. We can take our next steps with God, trusting Him for greater things. And that's my take on Star Wars, The Last Jedi.